Hey, Melody. Hey, Peter. What's up, Drew? Hey. Welcome to How College Works. Uh, we are at the very beginning of my semester, and I think only about a week in to Melody and Drew's. No, this time. is my first week. This is your first week? Oh, so only Drew has been working. Yeah, he, he was making that very clear prior to hitting record. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, so I thought we'd just like first week check-in or second week check-in for Drew. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Basically, what does this look like for us? Uh, one, two, three, not it. Who wants to start? Uh, I can start. I brought it up so I can start. Okay. I'll, I'll jump on this grenade. <laughs> um, actually, this semester, my, my start is looking pretty good, partly because I was able to take time over the break to prep my classes sort of sufficiently, which is um, not necessarily super common. Like the winter break for teachers is really short, especially compared to the summer break <laughs> where we have like three months to get ready for that fall semester. Uh, I'm lucky in that I'm teaching a bunch of old preps. So I'm taking classes I've already taught before and I can adjust schedules that I've already done, find you know new homeworks or whatever uh, to put into there, but I'm not pulling it all, uh, not having to create it all brand new, which is really a lot of work and really hard to do over the winter break. So teaching a new prep in the spring is like the worst of all worlds because you're trying to get everything together and you don't have much time to do it in. Um, but I was lucky in that my spring uh, classes are, are pretty set. And so uh, I was able to get stuff done, see the new, new, my new students. I'm learning and forgetting their names and getting stuff set up. And, um, but I haven't hit the point where the homework is starting to be due. So I, I have all of the fun times of new class meeting students, uh, get to do some, some uh, content work, but none of the grading to follow it up with. So that's feeling pretty good for day two. Yeah, <laughs> day two. Yeah. I'm rocking yeah. it so far. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm crushing it. Right. Yeah. No, the workload, it sounds like the workload hasn't uh, caught up with you, huh? No, yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to pick up starting next week and then it will just start ratcheting week four up. four is usually the crushing time for me because that's mm. when like first major writing assignments are due, usually about four weeks in. I mean, little grading stuff is still tedious, but nothing like that. Yeah, that's true. But so what about you, Melody? You're on... Day one, I think, yes? Yeah, so today was my first day. I've been up since 5 a.m., so super slow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, kind of like you, I, I'm teaching classes that I've taught before, although, of course, I can never leave a class alone, so I had to tweak it. I mean, I think caused, that's good. Yeah, I know. mean, it's good, but sometimes you're like, do you really need to switch out all these readings? They were working fine. I was just kind of getting bored. The, the students um, all appreciate that 100%. Well, yeah, but so it, it caused a cascade effect, which then like mm -hmm. made the whole schedule have to be redone, which was kind of a pain, but it's done for now. Um, so I was here at work, like trying to physically readjust because I took a ton of naps. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, <laughs> on my winter break, it was probably one of the breakiest breaks I've had in a long time. So um, I definitely needed to sort of reset my sleep schedule and get back on a schedule, which is good for me as a person. Um, so I, bit, I was in all last week and I did some pre-semester workshops as the writing center director, so I had to do that. I had two days of class prep and then of course writing center stuff. Um, that's taking up a ton of my time right now because I'm trying to get the schedule set and I have, you know, 15 people who can't respond to emails or decide when their classes are. I don't know. I'm usually good at deciding where my classes are, but I'll admit I'm sometimes not great on responding to emails. One of the things yeah, that so I did. I even text them sometimes because I'm like, hey, uh, check your email. Good. I need to know. Or you would call me back when we were in the same institution. Yeah, I just get a phone exactly. call. You're like, can or you I do this thing? Out of your office. That's true. Although that's, much more walking than the phone call. <laughs> it is. But I mean, so that's kind of where I am. So I, I got my classes started today. Um, I had really good classes. I'm super excited. Nice. Um, and I'm teaching only two classes, but it's the same class. I only have one prep, which is really great. Oh, dude. 
Yeah. You are like so, minimal living the dream. Time. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I just got to figure out the writing center stuff. You know, we're not open this week um, on purpose because I literally had writing center consultants changing their schedules yesterday because they had to change their class schedules. Oh, okay. So we're just taking this week and we'll open Tuesday after MLK day next week. Mm. But I got to build that whole schedule on our online system and like quadruple check it. And so, yeah, things like that. A lot of paperwork maintenance kind of sounds like. It is. There's a lot of admin stuff. And then, you know, I don't know about you, Peter, but I already have some committee stuff happening. Like I'm on essentially what was the personnel committee at my previous institution. So Peter mm -hmm. was talking about. Yes, um, I got you. For the department, because like we submit. Ah. So I have, uh, what is it? Six dossiers I have to review and comment on. Oh uh, man. Yeah. Because it's within the department, there's going to be a lot closer oversight. Personnel yes. committee is like hiring. Uh, no, well, the, promotion. Yeah, promotion, tenure, and we do um, like what? Um, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna sound stupid because I don't know what's the word for every two years. Uh, Biennial. Yes. Okay. So they have they let non tenured. Sorry, I'm not calling you out, but I'm there. No, you're. That's a good question. I'm actually a non voting member, but I still have to do all the work. Right? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, let's let Puerto Rico do all the work. Uh -huh. <laughs> So, I mean, as much as like Drew was giving me a hard time at the beginning of the, before we got started, um, there's been a lot of stuff on the back end that maybe students don't really see, right? Like, yeah. um, and somebody's dossier is 400 pages. Oh my Lord, that's more than my PhD thesis. Well, I kind of think you, you weren't trying very hard on your thesis. Yeah, I was like, oh, no, 200 pages was, is about where it should be, like for physics, right? It's different for different fields, right? Well, this is a writing person, so, so but she's also might... a super overachiever. Uh, clearly. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, so like in terms of like trying to sort of peek behind the curtain, um, like there is a lot of that prep stuff. And then like I'm the learning management system I'm using is Canvas, which I like, but I'm kind of new to it. So having to figure out how to get all that stuff on and get all of that stuff on my classes just takes forever. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I am also, so one of my committee uh, um, commitments was basically discharged at the end of last semester, which was the faculty handbook review committee. Since we got through all that and uh, actually had a really smooth vote with the faculty, um, partly because I think we were concerned. And so definitely read through all of the Roberts rules and sent an email to the faculty like, here's what will happen. Here are the things you can do, here are the things you can't do. Uh, so that's all done now. That was a lot of work last semester. Uh, I still have the uh, general education curriculum committee. Uh, and I actually presented to the faculty meeting today on that. So that meant that before the end of break was emailing with my other committee members being like, okay. So first week of class, faculty meeting. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We actually had a faculty meeting last week before classes started, or a department uh, meeting. Fun. Yeah. Everyone was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Reminding you that you have to do something next week. Probably. Right. Don't forget, you have jobs. Um, <laughs> so, Drew, what about you? What have you been up to? What's the start of the semester look like for you? Start, well, you know, it looks a little different now that I'm out of, out of the classroom, but I'm supporting classroom teachers, so there's that. But... You know, I'm reflecting, I guess, a little bit on, um, it's not a competition, but. <laughs> You're already saying that you won, I can tell. <laughs> well, I, it's, it's, it's apples and oranges to compare what, what a, a professor's job and a teacher's. That's the point of our podcast, but the K-12 schedule, I think. Are you mansplaining to me right now? <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm mansplaining to the audience. Okay, okay, <laughs> right, just make right, it right. clear. Okay. Would that be host-splaining? Host-splaining, <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. Um, well, I mean, if everybody would just go back and listen to our entire catalog before this episode, that's perfect. I won't have to. Um, yeah, we'll so the pause, case we'll wait. Under, what's that? The, we'll pause and wait. Oh, yeah, I'll wait, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, now that you're back. Um, so the K-12 calendar goes a, a little bit longer 
uh, in as far as class time, right? Students in class thing. So we got out, I believe, a week later in December than you did, and we started a week earlier. It sounds like. Um, so to hear you say you get a shorter break in in the winter and you got three months in the summer. Well, we went till uh, first week of June. Second week of June was our first week off, and we started back on August fifteen um, or eighteen or something like right. It's like mid August. Right. So yeah, we'll, you you just you run longer. If you, you know, if you don't work during the, the summer, which everybody, you know, you guys do too. Um, and then we had like basically two weeks winter, but anyway, we're back. Um, and I wonder what, what your, I would like later to hear what your first day of class is on a new semester. So ours, the secondary, the high school, um, many of, even if it's a year long course, even if I'm teaching English 10, which I did for a little short while, uh, I would have new students. They would, they would swap us around to where um, it's a year long course. Somebody, some of the kids would have been taking English 10 fall semester with some other English 10 teacher. And we kind of like, you know, jostled up the schedule for, I, I don't, it was kind of arbitrary at my school or my district here where uh, I don't know that a lot of high schools do that necessarily. Mm. Um, but you know there are some semester courses in in high school, and I think that was part of the reason was to make those semester courses fit the schedule. But I would a lot of times end up with a brand new group of kids in January, and have to you know like fifty percent of the names I know from last term, and then the other fifty is brand new, completely brand new. So we have to do something to set and establish the tone and the culture of the class on day one. Um, and, and day two and learn the names, like you said. Uh, and yeah, staff meetings are happening. I've already been to a, um, a staff meeting at one of my elementary schools last week uh, to present five minutes. And, uh, you know, the, the school board members are still going around to school sites. They, they try and get to each school uh, each semester. So mm. those staff meetings are like soaked up with, uh, you know, HR and the board members and, um, it's coming up right now. January, February is when, uh, in our K twelve side public school, they have to let by. And I think I don't know if it's a California thing or what, but um, districts have to let me know before March fifteenth uh, if they're going to let teachers stay on. Uh, and if they don't notify you before March 15th, then it's assumed that they would like you to stay. And, uh, and you have until, as the teacher side has until whatever date to notify them that you're leaving kind of, it's, it's quasi at will for portions of the contract, especially the first two years teaching. Um, and if you want to stay at the same site or if you want to do transfers, like there's a February and a March date that these things have to happen by. If you're retiring or resigning, there's a February date. So all of that uh, paperwork and HR and payroll and stuff is kind of shuffling around in January. Mm. We also have to publish, uh, now that our scores and data and everything is back in from the state, we have to publish our school accountability report cards before February sometime. So being the webmaster, somebody else prepares those. I have to make sure that they are published appropriately publicly on the right sites. Cool. So there's a lot of term changeover of term. I, so I'm managing the gradebook program, you know, training new teachers and stuff and change of term in the high school always messes up somebody's gradebook as far as they picked the wrong dates or, or the, the student information system dates were set wrong. And so I had to move the gradebook dates by one day and that kind of thing. So it's been, uh, yeah, I feel little that. fires you had to put out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just troubleshooting. And it happens every year. I just need, I've yeah, have now at this point added it to my calendar. Like, okay, first week back, we have to troubleshoot the gradebook and troubleshoot this and publish the report cards and all that. So that sounds busy. Yeah. Yeah, there's stuff to do. <laughs> so, well, there's not a lot of grading going on. I mean, I think that's a little different in high school because you have a lot of little assignments coming in pretty consistently, but there's still plenty of things to do. 
Yeah, so our high school grades were due Thursday last week, like the fall term grades. Wow. The teachers are allowed all the way through. And most that of them is... are done. Most of them are done before we leave on break. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, a, a lot of that decision making on timelines is because of English class grading essays. Yeah. And it has to be allowed during contract time. That just makes sense. I'm not going to expect that teachers are Christmas day with grade, with, with papers in hand. A lot of them do that, but Mm -hmm. that's a negotiated piece of like, what is the deadline for the grades to go into the um, grade book and the transcript, Mm. you know? So So it was Thursday and uh, everybody got their stuff together. (laughs) (laughs) So Drew, you asked about like, what does a first day in class look like in college, at least for the spring semester, although it's pretty similar for me in the, in the fall. Um, I do sometimes get students who come through. I do have the calculus-based physics, which runs two semesters, and I do get students who do both semesters, in which case it's really low key in terms of that first day. Uh, what I've always wanted to do, but have, have accepted now that I can't do is to actually start doing content on the first day but that's really not possible unless I'm doing a whole lot more work sort of getting them there because even for like you can't do content at all or just content that you would hold them responsible for on the final um, well this has to do with the way that I think about covering content is that I want them to have read so that we can discuss it I see and I'm not I'm not shooting emails to them over break. I'm not trying to like get the whole course set up usually because there's some shuffling that goes around in terms of classes over, over the winter break. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't want to like pull the trigger on something and then have a student come in like relatively late and then, or, uh, and then like everything, they don't have all the stuff they need to do and they're going to be totally lost on the first day. So since they're not going to be reading, I don't assume they're going to be reading over break before they the class starts. probably won't even have their textbooks. I mean, for the physics stuff they do because it's one giant textbook for both yeah. semesters. But yeah, there's plenty of students I have right now that are, don't have their textbook for physics 101 or for astronomy 101. So I need to go talk to the library after, after we're done here. <laughs> go talk <laughs> to the library about ordering books and putting them on course reserve. But so yeah. it's, I sorry, go like- ahead, Melody ice breaky type things. Well, first of all, I sort of, well, like you were saying, Drew, like sort of setting the tone. Um, that's one of my primary things. And I, I also try to make it very clear. I give them a course outline to kind of like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do these four assignments. They're all interconnected because I want to give them sort of a bird's eye view of the class because sometimes we get started and they don't know where our ending point is. Like, where are we going with this? Right. So I used to be okay with kind of being more inductive and letting them sort of figure that out as we went. But I don't know if that was the best teaching method necessarily, but I also feel like students have changed and they would rather know up front um, and kind of know those things. So like today I talked about like the research process that we're going to go through. And I also told them what to expect in terms of how this class is different from how they might think a research class would be. Um, and we know our important policies, like of course the absence or attendance policy and late papers and all those things. And I mean, the content was very, minimal just in terms of like some introductory stuff to kind of help them navigate the information that they're going to have to work with between now and Thursday, if that makes sense. Um, but they needed a framework, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And that mirrors pretty well what, what I do as well, which is I don't quite go over the syllabus with a fine tooth comb, but I do, you know, want to give them idea. Here's where you're, here's what's going to make up your grade. Yeah. You know, here are, here's the important policies. Yeah. So this is so funny to me, not funny, but like, it's interesting to me uh, hearing you say this, and that's a, a requirement or an expectation in, in post-secondary in college where the syllabus and the course outline are there and they, they I, I, as a student, I can read it and expect what I'm going to expect. I can recall talking to high school teachers, not in my current district, um, 
saying like, hey, yeah, college courses, they give you syllabus. And if you're going to read Romeo and Juliet, it's on the, you know, and the papers on, on November 5th, it's on the syllabus. Like, why can't we tell our, our 10, 11, 12th graders, like, hey, there's an essay coming. It's on Romeo and Juliet. Like, get ready for it. Like, what? that's not a giveaway. That's not cheating. Like, shoot. Yeah, that's just disinforming what's, what's, what's happening. And, and this teacher told me, like, oh, well, I don't want the students to know what, uh, you know, like, that. May, uh, my plans may change. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why are your plans changing? <laughs> yeah, and that, that, to me, that begs the question. Like, I get it. There's so much in, in the K-12 curriculum or in the, in the There's you know, a ton. Yeah. 12 curriculum that it, there's so much that you, we can't pack it into the days and it's so easy to that's why I said you know no content on day one well I endeavored in when I taught high school to do content on day one to mm -hmm. set the tone that we are doing content inside this classroom during my classroom time that I have with you we only have 180 hours so yeah which is which is fair yeah you know, yeah, I could, I could see why you'd want to start right away. And it, and, when, and it's so easy to say like, oh, we're going to do the name game and icebreakers, which I did. I'm not saying I didn't do that. Um, and then turn around and say, oh, Friday, we're going to roll Bill Nye or whatever it is and pretend like it's curriculum attached. And now every single Friday, well, that's 36 hours of my class time that just got soaked up by Bill Nye or, or whatever I picked. Right. You know, right. And, and there's so much that gets cut in and then state testing time. There's two weeks of class time done. Um, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. so what, one thing that might be a little bit need to frame this for students a little bit differently is that, you know, you are really strapped for time in a high school. So you need to be doing content. And so it makes sense if you're going to be start off with content and that delivery is sort of in that lecture transmit to the student mode where like I could, I could start, content delivery on day one in terms of giving a lecture about astronomy or physics um, and that if you are coming into a college class where that first day is not a day with like lecture and content delivery which is reasonable and you should expect you should expect day one there's going to be meaningful things going on and if it's not content delivery it's stuff that i think is valuable enough to spend that time on so while I'm not doing my standard content delivery because, because of the way I try to run my classes with the students having done work before they come in so that we can then explore the work that they've done and what was confusing or not, right. that doesn't mean that my first day uh, is totally just like, hey, let's all you know, play the name game or watch Bill Nye or whatever. Like, I'm telling you about my syllabus because this is important stuff. And you need to know this and you need to be able to be aware, have some situational awareness. Yeah, the assumption I think is that um, jump in melody anytime. <laughs> I feel like I'm hogging my own microphone right now. The, so the, uh, the assumption is that everybody's present on day one and therefore I can give this common information and set common precedent and common goal of these are our agreements and this is where we're headed and this is what the grading looks like in the late paper and everybody in the room knows and so we have accountability buddy of of you know there's there's no way to ex like if you had delivered that information of the syllabus and the and the course outline on day two maybe somebody's sick mm -hmm. yeah although people do i got plenty of colleagues who go and kind of uh, set like a more of a community-based like classroom type tone and they do some like I don't know some small writing assignments like we talked about what research is and research isn't today and then they say you need to go read the syllabus um, and come back with three questions and so they'll use the second class period for a sort of a deep dive on some of that stuff mm, okay. um, yeah. or they'll I for the first time ever oh my gosh I did a syllabus quiz, so they have to do a syllabus quiz on Canvas because my syllabus, this is gonna sound awful, is 12 pages long, but I have all of this required stuff I have to put on it. Oh my gosh. Just I so much information. 50% longer than mine. Yeah, it's really long, but like some of it is like, um, like, like disability services and then mm -hmm. um, like Title IX statement. Um, like there's just a bunch of stuff that I'm required by state law. Uh, to well, have on there like probably four pages of that is like requirement that I have nothing I have yeah. no control of 
over. Uh, and then of course I have to have like the attendance policy and I have to have an outline of each assignment. Like that's like required for what I like the program I'm teaching in or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to go over 12 pages like nope. in class. I'm just not going <laughs> to do so, it. Like because, especially because the, you know, the department standard where I was last in the classroom was, um, Typical, I think, in that like we didn't have a schedule for the year for math courses or um, what we it was just like we're teaching the district adopted math curriculum for math course one. Okay, done. Uh, so I didn't need to lay out my calendar in my mm -hmm. syllabus and some of those other things, attendance policy. These are all like school wide things that weren't in my per se in my syllabus. I was able to cram my syllabus down to two pages, front and back. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Not even remotely possible. Now that's not like I couldn't stop with that on day one. If I was covering my syllabus, I would have to cover all those other things, the attendance policy and blah, 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 yeah. because those are school rules and, you know, the, but they were on separate pages, right? <laughs> they just weren't under the cover of syllabus, right? Right. Well, and I actually don't, I just do a very general sort of sketch of the, of the course schedule or whatever, which is required by the program but I have a very detailed separate document. So that doesn't even include that. But like they want, like, you know, they want you to talk about like expected classroom behavior and like the technology policy and all of these things. And my policy is like, no, my policy isn't like no technology because that'd be easy. <laughs> my my, my policy is like, you can have it. I don't really care, but you know, and then I have to make some explanations. What's right. your expected behavior policy? This is fascinating. Oh, well, I probably have to look at it. But one of the things is like investing like in the class. Like, what? Where are we at? <laughs> like just being able to like, um, like to engage in the class. So a lot of it is discussion based. So I expect you to do the readings and be able to contribute. Um, not to talk when I'm talking. I can't take that. It really drives me bananas. Um, you know, being respectful, just things like, as I can ask them to leave at any point, and I just make it clear what could get them kicked out of the class. Mm, wow. I wonder if people have to do this with, like, adult school. This is adult school. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I think it's just sort of setting the tone. Um, but I've always had sort of, like, things that drive me crazy, please don't do this sort of thing. Um, like, you know, don't tell me you didn't do your reading. Just, you know, pretend like you did, unless I ask you point blank. <laughs> like Things like that. <laughs> just things that sort of get under my skin that will help them succeed in the class that might be different from other people, I guess. I think it was just like listening to you describe that it sounded so similar to a high school syllabus rundown of behavior and all this oh. stuff. Do you want, should I read it? Should I read it in? I mean, if you want to, okay. but like, so like the first part, like I didn't like most of this stuff is not my wording, right? Most exactly. of it is yeah. copy and paste this into your syllabi. Wow. Liberal arts so, and what's GT pathways? Um, it's like, it's not, I don't know what it stands for, but essentially like, it's like the, uh, an articulation agreement between all like Colorado state schools. Uh, so uh, this general is like, transfer or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay outcome Lear student learning outcomes for area one this sounds really uh similar to some high school stuff student yeah. learning outcomes attendance assignments grading policies procedures course plan technology policy plagiarism and academic integrity wc info is that that's writing, that's writing center, center. Yeah. I was that's say, not required but i did create a statement that everybody puts in their syllabus i was going to say water closet but library info <laughs> disability resources yes please put that in title nine thank you very much by the way title nine this is the sexual harassment yes well well right. and also discrimination discrimination right. yeah. Women. Um, what? Dang. <laughs> Dang. Also, it can be covered. based on race, religion. Everything. Right. Yeah, All the yeah. things. Yeah. 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 Equity and inclusion statement. Food insecurity and basic needs. Hmm. Yep. All right. So there's so much of that that I was getting depressed hearing you say it because it seems like there's very little difference between like my high school syllabus and first day grading policies, blah, 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 and that. Like, wow, what's, you know, so a, a high school kid is going to roll in on day one and listen to that and say, yeah. God, I'm in high school. 
Well, and I think they do feel that way. And I didn't even know that high schools did syllabi because I never had a syllabus when I was in high school. When did that happen? Well, we have a course catalog, which is fulfilling the same, I think, requirement that you're fulfilling with your syllabus. But our syllabus, our syllabi, whatever, had to just be delivered to our front office. And really, it, it's... Um, I don't know if there's a legal requirement for a syllabus because again, the course catalog is what gets approved by the school board for our mm -hmm. high schools and our middle schools as well in the, the career technical ed pathways and all those things. So what I put in my syllabus just had better line up with the board policies. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't have much to go on except I can turn around and say, this is my grading policy. And, um, you know, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's pretty much dictated. Well, much like Sue's saying. And that's that, why my syllabus was two pages. <laughs> right, because you, you know, see attachments from requirements in the front office, you know. Uh, yeah, but the reason we have to put ours in there. Yeah, so, so the reason, like, Melody's is seeming so similar is because of all these, again, required. Well, so to it. you don't have a captive audience the way I do, right? Like, your, your people coming are... Uh, adults and in charge of their own selves and so every time they step on campus there has to be an opportunity for them to see title nine and equity inclusion statement and my students it doesn't matter if I warn them of that or not it's their parents that have to be informed because they're the legal guardians so right. title, title nine is on the footer of every single one of my websites uh, and, yeah and all of these other you know legal requirements are posted publicly on the front page of our website to the parents, mm. you know, and given out at the school board meetings and given out of the, so we our mandate is to notify the legal guardians and your mandate is to notify the legal guardians who happen to be the students themselves. Yeah. yeah but what I guess I don't understand is like why you don't have to put that on a syllabus, but I do. I, I think it's because the, the thing that's acting as my syllabus is the course outline approved by the school board, which is on the same web page with Title IX and, mm. you know, include, and plagiarism is a school board policy and well, there's also a school board policy. It's all dictated by the school board for the whole district. Right. So there's, so everything is consistent for the school, for the school. It's also that the person who needs to be communicated to is not in the classroom. Right, it's the guardian of, of the high school student who needs to have access to these things. Yeah. They're not in the classroom, so it doesn't it yeah. doesn't need to be on the sheet of paper that is handed that, to the student. That's not to say that my syllabus was a, a useless page. I mean, it, it, it <laughs> just didn't, it didn't, it didn't have the, I mean, it kind of was, but <laughs> it didn't have the legal weight that yours does. Yeah, and to right. me, that's one of those things like, and I, I don't even know if this is true, but gosh, I certainly say it. So I always tell my students, like, I don't put the, like, the specific class schedule on the syllabus because the syllabus is a legally binding document. Is that true? Well, so here's what it, I don't know if that's. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I could just be sharing lies. <laughs> well, here's I mean, what I do know is like when I go to get my master's degree, I had to prove to the state of California that my bachelor's from out of state, from an accredited institution, fulfilled a writing requirement. Well, one way to do this was to take a test. I was like, heck no. I already have a bachelor's degree from an accredited. Why would I do this? Well, so I could go get the syllabus from my writing course in undergraduate and deliver the syllabus, and that counted instead of a mm -hmm. test. So there is, you know, weight behind the syllabus means. Something. Oh yeah, I mean for transfer purposes for sure, and I make sure that my students have, you know, they have a copy that they can access after the fact. But and that's a, that was a barrier to getting in the door to to post you know, to, to master's school, whatever we call it, postgraduate. And so that barrier is knocked down by the key of the syllabus that said I had a 5,000 word minimum requirement in one of my courses. Well, and for me, like if it's in the syllabus that this is my attendance policy and the student files a complaint or like yeah, a grade, whatever the word appeal, but I'm like, no, you missed 12 times. That's an automatic failure. It's here in writing in the syllabus. That syllabus does legally protect me, right? Yes. Right, yeah. So it, I'm not sure if like this is, if you could take this to a court of law, how, how much weight it's going to have. But it no, does but in terms the of the policies. court of the yeah. university. Yeah, exactly. 
and there's much more flexibility in them. One of the reasons that every class has its own syllabus, certainly in my experience, is because the attendance policies are different, the late work policies are different, uh-huh. you know? and so all of those are are laid out so that, you know, if there if nothing's said about attendance and a student doesn't uh, doesn't show up, well. Now it's a real pain in the butt. Yeah, because, yeah, because you, know, you didn't say right. You didn't say attendance was required, or you didn't say attendance wasn't required. You know, so you know, do it better next time, professor. Well, and there <laughs> are the times when I have to go back to my syllabus to remember what my policies are. You know, and I'm like, what did I say the policy yeah, was? That's, that's I don't carry the syllabus around me every day. Yeah. That's the other reason it's there is to keep everybody on the same page yeah. because your memory fades or whatever. And mine does too. I can recall sitting in a hearing with the, you know, admin team and the angry parent and the student who was up for expulsion over instance that happened in my classroom. And the question came up like, well, what is the school uh, and the, the school policy and the district policy on technology? And I said, I don't know. I, I know, you know, I have to have to go look that up. I know what I set in my classroom and, and explained with my syllabus and with my students and expected and held them up to as, as the policy, wow. you know. So the, the, those questions do get asked in the, uh, not the like court of law, but in the, in the hearings and things that happen in a school system. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I just had a student walk in. I'm probably going to have to. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you know, I'm still trying to figure out writing some stuff. And that's where I don't know. No, no yeah, worries. So, no worries. Well, but some of this stuff, like I understand, but some of it, like the diversity or the equity and inclusion statement, that's just something that they send out and say, hey, this is, this needs to go on everybody's syllabus. So, so I understand the attendance policy because it is absolutely different. And like the, the catalog or whatever just says the attendance left up to the professor. But I guess I was just curious as to why each of us need to copy and paste the exact same thing into our syllabus if it is campus-wide. I think that to me that means that somebody's trying to CYA and make sure that the students who come in and read it have no excuse to turn around and say like, oh, I didn't get notified of my due process and my rights. Yeah. How that seems most likely. So then it does become a legal type situation, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's protection for the students. That's protection for the students and for the faculty. But, mm-hmm. but let's not pretend it's just a, a boilerplate to only protect one party. It, it's protecting, right. both, maybe not as equally well, but it's protecting both parties. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so now that you've seen my huge long list, you can see why we don't read it all. And <laughs> also because I know the Title IX statement is copied and pasted on everybody's syllabi. Um, but I, you know, I, I saw my syllabus quiz, some of these things we didn't go over, and then some of the things I really wanted to hit harder, um, I asked them about it, because I want them to go through it so that they can at least kind of know some of the policies and procedures, like how do you ask for an extension if you need one on an assignment and things like that. Hmm. hmm. Yes. Well, Mel, you should probably go and take care of business. Eh, whatever. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah. I got to figure out how to click out of this. Hold on. Anyway, I don't know what else you guys are talking about, but have a great day. <laughs> Thanks, Melody. All right. Have, have fun, I guess. Yeah. yeah totes. Totes. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So that's one thing to do the first day is go over the syllabus. Yeah. Go over the syllabus. A couple of times I did change up and I was like, look, guys, I know that you went over the syllabus in every other class. We're going to do something different. Yeah. And I do like to, I do want to do things that are not just like going over policies and maybe, so as I said, talking about like their science journal and and the paper they're going to do in terms of just let's, not just talk about how you do late work and blah, 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 but here's something that that is important for what you're doing and let's dig into it a little bit in terms of advice and instruction for it. You know, today was the, was my first labs and I spend those labs, those classes, uh, getting a little bit more directed advice about, you know, those, those science journals and those reflection papers and then get started on doing some work for those. Uh, but it's yeah i do feel yeah maybe next semester i will think about if there's ways that i can start in 
I thought you know, a little bit more content it, in. You can still do. I think it, there's room for it in college to just hey, day one syllabus, whatever, because uh, you have a longer time period in your course. I think for me, it was like if it's ninth graders or tenth graders, um, they've had, and I'm in sixth period. They've had five hours of reading the <sighs> syllabus to their face, and like yeah. Day That's one. certainly something that I don't do, which is like read through my syllabus and project it up. Like I might show them how to find stuff quickly. Yeah. But most I just have slides like, hey, grade breakdown. You know, here's what makes up your, your grade sort of a thing. So but it's, it's not yeah. worth our time to read it in class. And to, to a little extent, like the ninth graders and the younger kids, the middle school and below, the parents are expecting to get a giant packet of sign this paper on day one. But... Mm -hmm later on you know 10 11 12 the parents are are still looking for it but less so so you can send it home day two day three and still get it back if there's parent stuff that needs to be signed or so i, I think there's more of a need to switch it up on day one and say like hey we're about to do a math problem we're about to do a group where i would throw in a, a team arbitrary teams um, and do those, you know, those cool things where you build a giant tower out of marshmallows and toothpicks and see who's got the tallest tower and all that stuff. Yeah. And then now try and do it without speaking to each other so we can emphasize the importance of having to communicate in your teams, that kind of deal. So do that. On, you know, I think there's more of a need for that in high school where this, we would get that complacency or that expectation that day one is a waste is a wash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, versus in college where, again, you could start off and you've got a two-hour course or a 90-minute course. You can read the syllabus for half an hour and then move on. Yeah, yeah, based, yeah. And that's, you know, sort of the, the kind of thing that I do kind of try to balance. Like, I am not engaged with reading through my syllabus. No, nah, nobody else is. <laughs> you know, so it's not like this is my most awesome part of my semester. <laughs> going through the that syllabus was, but it is the easiest for planning right day one read the syllabus done day two <laughs> yeah i mean part of it is so i don't know how it is i'm sure it's maybe not the same for all school districts but you know i remember getting the textbook like they gave me the textbook you know and then we had to keep track of it for the for the semester of the year in high school Mm -hmm. There's plenty of my students, as we mentioned before, who don't have their textbook yet. So that's also something which I've, has caused me, as I've kind of gotten more aware of that over the years, to shy away from just diving too fast into... Yeah, let's talk about chapter one. Everybody's like, what? <laughs> right, you know, I can tell you about chapter one and maybe you can take some notes. But there's a pretty decent fraction of my class that doesn't have the book. Uh, so even now I'm like, you need to read this for Wednesday, you know, for, for the third class day or for the second class day. And for my lab classes, the third you know, meeting, you need to have this read so that we can talk about it. And like, yeah, you may be heading to the library for the course reserve Yeah, for that. Cause, and then fighting over it with all 10 people that are trying to get it at once. Yeah. I know, I know how that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's, there's aspects which have, you know, in terms of access, uh, where I have kind of pulled back from when I was a, a newly minted professor and being all like gung ho, like we're going to start content, yeah, you know, second two of the class. And so I of, think to me that means like so much more of the burden of learning is on the student in your in your field versus it is still on the student in K twelve. It's just um, we have a longer week uh, number of weeks for the semester. We have um, an hour a day instead of two hours every other day. We have, you know, we have this like constant check-in, check-in, check-in with the student to externally enforce this, like, are you learning? Are you learning? Are you learning? <laughs> um, you know, did you get your book? Oh, you don't have a book. We got to get the library. And this, the, uh, I think it's just a, a California law, the Williams Act, that we have to we're audited on do we have the proper number of textbooks and the to the number of bodies sitting in chairs oh wow nice by i think it's like the first day of october or something we have to have settled who's in which class and everybody has to have a copy available in the room that they sit in and i think i think a copy for home too i, I have to run over those but that's a, i think that's a california law i don't know if that's 
nationwide. I mean, it it's, would be nice. I mean, it would be good. It's good <laughs> to, to, to have those available, like, in the room and at home. Yeah. Yeah. I was interested. Can, Sorry, go ahead. When, when we have a public mandate to, to educate every student under the age of whatever, like, you can't, it's not feasible without a, a textbook. Yeah. Or, you know, and now at this point, our, it's kind of fading over into the textbook, uh, the, the Chromebook or the one-to-one -one device is serving the same type of role as a textbook. So I think that's going to be the next area that that law or those regulations cover. Yeah, that makes sense. So I was interested a little bit, Drew, you were talking about some of the stuff that, uh, and, that we're doing over winter break that it, it's probably something I never thought about for my professors is what is it that they're doing to prep for that first day? You know, and for me, I'm going through uh, my schedules. I'm, I'm looking at my previous sort of uh, semester schedule. Mm -hmm. And I'm basically moving it over into the new semester, which takes some rejiggering a little bit. And I'm laying out where my quizzes are going to come, what the homework's going to be, and assigning the homework. I'm verifying that the labs are the ones that I want. You know, <clears throat> all this sort of back end, as you say, for getting stuff ready so yeah. that when we start, it's like I have a schedule that shows everything that we're going to do. And I have a syllabus already done. I also need to send that to my to the academic affairs. They need my, my uh, syllabus. Like what kind of the things, is there similar stuff going on at, at the high school level, you know, in your experience? Yes. I, so I think that um, so much more of high school level is year long you know, is like the, the core things that are tested. <laughs> um, it's so hard not to get totally spun off on side conversations when I speak of this. Um, <laughs> you know, language arts and math uh, are, are tested. Science is tested in 10th grade and um, some other lower grades, but um, those things, those courses are year long and the pacing guides are, you know, redone and um, by committee uh, up at the district, like they grab all of the math one teachers from the whole, from all three high schools and get together in a little meeting and talk about pacing guides with the vertical integration idea of what are the eighth graders coming up know and what do I want the ninth graders to know going to 10th grade math course um, every year. But that pacing guide is, is um, set. And it's not that it's ironclad. There was a time, I think, when uh, administrators would walk through your classroom and, and check that it was October 10th and you were on page 12 with everybody else. Mm. And standard three was up on the board uh, and you were using the right language with your students and direct instruction. And we've moved away from that. But there is still a pacing guide. There is still like we need to be done with chapter four in December so that we can be on pace to get to chapter 10 in June. Otherwise, if you don't cover chapter 10, the concept in there is really needed for math two in August. <laughs> so right. you're on, basically your hamstring in math, I'm talking about math because that's the most recent classroom teaching I did, was if you're not on, on stream with this within a week or two, uh, your kids are hamstrung for calculus. And when you're cutting calculus out of their of their senior year, it cuts into the number of colleges that they are, um, you know, really actually going to be accepted into. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it, it, it gets down to the point where this, this, yeah, this prepping and pacing, um, which is really the starting point of my lesson planning, lesson prepping. Right. Right. Oh, we're talking about over winter break. So I'm still on that topic. <laughs> right, right, right. Those pacing guides are set up to where a math student in sixth and seventh grade, um, depending on their achievement in those two years, uh, can get on track to be calculus in senior year or not. And, and that was always the struggle was finding a pacing and finding a, a pathway for a student who struggled in sixth and seventh grade, but then began to achieve, to be able to catch up and get to calculus senior year, because that calculus course is one of those um, kind of gatekeeper courses. No, yeah, I mean, algebra one is the gatekeeper course, but calculate, having taken calculus in senior year, uh, 
seems to be one of those things that parents especially, but you know, colleges, I suppose, the parents believe that colleges look at that and say, oh, you didn't take calculus, what'd you take? Like, what were you doing? You know? <laughs> I will say that if you've taken calculus in high school, you are much better, much better chance at being able to uh, achieve and excel doing calculus in college. Doing calculus in college. Yeah. You know, and if that's something that you need, like if, if that's not part of the, your major career path, yeah. then it's, it's not super critical. But if you want to do something in STEM, say, mm -hmm. then having taken calculus in high school is means that you, you may need to retake calculus, but you're going to have a much stronger foundation. You're going to do better. You're going to be more comfortable moving forward. It's yeah. just harder if you've never taken calculus and now you're going to take it at the college level. Because as we have mentioned on the podcast, we move twice as fast. Right. Yeah. One year of high school calculus is one semester of, of college calculus. Right. Uh, if that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Sometimes they don't line up quite so well like that. But yeah, basically. And that's, you know, uh, and that's not a, a critique. That's, you know, AP calculus is also a different animal than just I, if there's a regular, such a thing as a regular calculus course, I guess. I don't know. Um, but so like math has that anyway, that, that pacing pressure. So the prepping, is, as far as that course, the prepping over winter break is, is really like looking at the finals grades from December semester one and saying like, okay, my students who many of them are repeats I'm going to have for second term. Some of them are new kids from a different teacher math course, but they still have a final grade. I can look at those final grades and kind of um, decide what the skill level of my class is on chapter four, chapter three, whatever, based on the standards that are attached to each one of those final questions. Mm -hmm. And because we like, I would have a stack of actual finals in my hand with kid names on them saying like, okay, you got this one correct, wrong, correct, wrong, whatever. And, and also be able to look in the grade book um, and say, this is the skill level. Okay. I kind of know where I need to start. We're definitely not going backwards a whole bunch, but maybe I need to reteach a couple of skills uh, in week one, week two, so that we can get to that common dist or, or um, department wide chapter five test on February 1st or whatever it is. So like the pacing guide telling me when the tests are approximately due is where I start and backwards map on, on, you know, looking at my skill set and my achievement and putting that together. So I, that's not to say I spent two weeks in December on that over Christmas. <laughs> no, that's that's like, still a lot of work. Like it's, I think that's probably a similar level of work to what I end up doing, which is, just laying out the entire thing myself. Like I don't have guidelines. I'm like, how much of this book am I going to do? Am I going to do everything in this book? Yeah. How do I pace that out? You know, it's, it's a different thing to, to have to backwards near it from what you yeah. have, but it's, but in having to take into account the students that are coming in their achievement, which is often the kinds of, of um, information that we don't have coming yeah. in for college students. So like, I don't know your previous grades. Yeah, do you are a blank slate when you come into my class? Do you do a front end assessment or you just like hope everybody can kill it? Um I would say kind of no for both. Okay. <laughs> like I don't do a front end assessment in terms of and then adjusting my my curriculum. I see. Uh, I do for my calculus based physics I have pre-test and a post test for concept test. Um mostly the way I handle it is in uh, knowing my students, because I have relatively small classes, or if you're a TA, mm -hmm. knowing your, your, your group of students, and trying to make sure that I do some of that reaching out for them uh, to offer help. Uh, but again, like you say, the, the, the responsibility for the learning falls on the students much, so much more. In, in college. And so at, at the one level, it's not part of how we operate at college to identify students who need help and offer that help. That's a good thing. And we do try to do that. But that's not our responsibility. It's the responsibility of the student to <laughs> they need help your, and to ask for help. Yeah, it's not your mandate. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not my mandate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I will give all the help I can for a student that asks, uh, but I'm yeah. not going to bend over backwards for a student that doesn't to ask. go seek and find. I think so. What I'm sensing is that the 
the pressure I felt, and I, I wasn't a, you know, traditional gen ed teacher. I was co-teaching gen ed courses, math one, two, and three, up through basically through trigonometry, um, and then special ed courses as well. And a couple of years, I did English 10 and 11. Um, so I, I got to see a whole bunch. And I did co-teach a biology class, too. That was fun. Um, so I got to see a lot of subject matter and, and be involved in those department meetings and things. But I, again, the, like the, the pressure that I was feeling, and I think the gen ed teachers feel it more than I did, was if you slow this down too much, it hampers their ability to do what's next after high school. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not so worried that this kid or that kid is going to get a diploma. Like we can, we can, uh, support that but your transcript is is at a certain point if we if you don't pass here or there quick enough your transcript won't allow you to uh or it'll kick you back a full year behind everybody else in college where you're taking remedial math and paying money for it right and then yeah Um, to get to where and that's not where i wanted you that's not devastating but sometimes it is to be that far behind and, and suddenly you're $300 on the hook for one, uh, you know, unit of, of remedial math that doesn't count towards your major. <laughs> yeah. Or your gen eds or your, or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. You're basically in the hole from the start. And there's that feeling of pressure of like, I, I want my students to achieve and I want to be able to cover all the topics so that the guys who are achieving have covered enough to be successful in year two and year seven. Yeah. I mean, we run into that as well in terms of, you know, we just have uh, oh, oh, sometimes a very wide range of uh, student uh, developed skills and knowledge within the subject. And so some students are really struggling. Some students are like sailing through and it's, it's, there's no good answer. Right. You can't go at the speed that there's the... No, there's no single answer. There's no silver well, bullet. Yeah, let's say that. There's, yeah. no, there's no silver bullet for it, right? Usually it's just, it's going to be, you're not going to go quite as fast as the really advanced students could and maybe want to go. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to spend a lot of time, both you and the students who need help, you know, giving them that help. And so, you know, you're going a little faster than the students who are really struggling really wanted to go and slower than students who yeah. really can move want to go and you know, and everyone's just kind of working a little harder it's the reality is because nowadays um, and i imagine it's been this way for a long time but it's possible that in the past um uh you it was like monastery style and you showed up at, at university and you were just kind of there until you were finished and yeah. you didn't take out student loans and you didn't have to, you know, you just, everybody works, everybody eats, everybody learns. And when you're finished learning, you leave. <laughs> that well, even when you get to the, not, when you pass the monastery into the early uh, yeah. secular ones, it's like, you don't have to worry about money because you were independently wealthy. That's right. the only way you were going to university. Yeah, that's a bad gate. I don't like that model either. But but it's <laughs> alleviate the time pressure of you have to graduate in four or you have to graduate in seven or whatever it is and be able to say like, hey, it takes you a year and a half to learn what a normal person or what, what a, a different person learns in it one year. Okay, take a year and a half. And then when you're done, learn the next thing. Yeah, I mean, that's going at your own pace is... is if everything is, I mean, if everything is free and paid for, and you don't have to, it's not an access issue. Then and that is really, really good. I mean, part of what we've gotten into, and I don't. This is not a critique. This is, I think, just the way our our system, you know, it, has grown into it. Is that you kind of really have a certain amount of time that a family can pay for college, right? And you go past that, and it becomes a real financial burden for many families. And so it's, it's really just not about what is the best for the student learning, but what is feasible for the financial situation of the families that are going through it. Um, You know, and, and that, and there's so much that is in that, in that lane that we, we move as, as colleges and universities, we move to sit in there to be like, well, we want students out within 1.5 of the expected time. So that's six years. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what graduation rates and successes are measured off of, is that six-year time scale, uh, with the assumption that four is really what we're shooting for. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's a different time. We've strayed quite far. Yeah. We, yeah. So, so why don't we end it here for now? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Drew. Thanks. Uh, thanks for chatting. Yeah, it was a good topic. I think you, you could cut that one into three topics altogether. <laughs> Probably so. All right. Uh, if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about or some feedback to give us, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Hyland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-E-N-D, or send me an email, peter.o.hyland, H-Y-L-E-N-D, at gmail.com. All right. See everybody next week. All right. Next week. Bye. Bye.